I preached a series of messages out of the book of Esther. And I want you to turn to Esther chapter 9. Esther chapter 9, just go to about the middle of your Bible. Don't be embarrassed if it's a little harder to find. Uh, probably easier, most of you know where Job's at. Just go to Job and the book right before Job. And uh, it's, it's not preached from very often. And I'm going to read just a few verses and preach my way to it. And then let you know what God has laid on my heart tonight for this service. And in Esther chapter 9, it's coming down to the close. When you get to the 10th chapter, uh, it's the book of Esther. And Esther's name's not mentioned in the 10th chapter. The book starts out, her name's not mentioned. The last chapter, her name's not mentioned. Uh, Esther is one of two books in your Bible named after a woman. There's the book of Esther and the book of Ruth. And in both books, in the first chapter, you don't, uh, you don't read anything about Ruth. And then at the end of it, you don't read anything about Ruth. It all goes, starts with Naomi, goes back to Naomi. And it's the same way in the book of Esther. In both books, somebody wealthy marries somebody that needs help and provides for that individual. In the book of Ruth, you have a Jew that marries a Gentile. And in the book of, of Esther, you have a Gentile king that marries a Jew. And this is a book of deliverance for God's people. And we'll explain it to you, so don't be discouraged after I read these verses. I have just been amazed that very few people have heard much taught or preached on the subject matter that I'm looking at tonight. Let's look, if you will, in verse 26 in verse 26 of chapter nine. For time's sake, I'll read it, and if you'll allow me to condense just a few things that I'd like to share with you tonight. Wherefore, they called these days Purim, after the name of Pur. Therefore, for all the words of this letter, which letter? It's a letter that according to verse 20, Mordecai has written. Words of this letter and of that which they had seen concerning this matter and which had come to them, unto them, the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them so as it would not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year and that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, and that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. Then Esther, the queen, the daughter of Abihel, and Mordecai, the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim. So let me just give you a little synopsis of what's happening. There is a king by the name of Ahasuerus. And Ahasuerus was married to an individual named Vashti. And through the process, she did not do what the king had bid her to do. And the end result was, by the time you get to chapter 3, there's changes that are taking place. One of the changes that takes place is Ahasuerus appoints a man by the name of Haman. And Haman was promoted to second in power in all of the kingdom. So here he is, second in power, and he has all of this authority. 
There's some people that you're better off if you don't give them a title. They do a whole lot better if they don't have a job. You give them a position and all of a sudden they think they're something. Remember I said I know when I'm doing good and not. And sometimes you gotta be careful when you pay. You can actually beat somebody out spiritually and harm them instead of help them because there's some people that don't realize what goes along with the title and with the responsibility. Haman, I feel, was that type of individual. When he got that, he realized that now people had reverence to him and respect to him. When he would go by the king's gate, all of those great wisdom, men of wisdom and men of power that sat in the king's gate, they would bow before him. Oh, he was loving that. He was absolutely so full of pride. But by the time you get to chapter three, he passes by and they say, oh, hell, Haman, and they're bowing down before him. But there in the middle of the king's gate, there is one old Jew by the name of Mordecai. And Mordecai just sits and stares at him. And Mordecai refuses to bow down to Haman. He refuses to bow down to the second in command. You see, that's a picture of us as a believer. The devil is second in command. He's got authority. He's the God of this world, but he doesn't have all authority. And the devil looks for the world to bow down. That's what the battle has been through the ages to see who will bow down to him instead of bowing down to the rightful God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he sees Haman sitting there, but he refrains himself. He goes home and he starts complaining to his wife. His wife calls his friends over. When you get to chapter five, he says, you know what? He said, I have, I've looked over all of the kingdom and I have great riches. And he says, I see the multitude of my children. And he says, but I've been invited to this banquet. He said, but there's one thing that absolutely destroys me inside. It all means nothing because of one person that Jew named Mordecai, he refuses to bow and he refuses to go my way and do what I want him to do. I wonder if the devil isn't passing by Tampa Church tonight and saying, is there anybody left that'll still stand up, look the devil in the eye and say, I refuse to bow to your ways. I'm not giving in. I don't care what everybody else does if the whole world goes that way I'm not going that way I'm going to stay true to the Lord and faithful to his word and I'm going to be what he wants me to be that's more important than anything and she said there's a solution go talk to the king and build some gallows 75 feet tall, hang him, and they'll follow. But he was wise enough to know he couldn't just hang Mordecai. If he just hung Mordecai, these Jews were different. They had a fortitude about them that they didn't cave in easily. 
They weren't there by choice. They had come as captives. But even though that they're living in a strange land and a strange place, there's something inside of them that's different. So he said, I, I want to hang him and I will hang him. But he also concluded something else in his mind. He came down to the point where he said, in reality, I know I can't just kill him. So I'll devise a plan that I'll kill all the Jews. He wanted to get rid of all of them just to get to one. I'm preaching right now whether you know it or not. I wish the devil would look at us and say, you know what? Down there in that camp meeting, I would love to just pick on Susie. I would love to get to her and destroy her. But the problem that the devil came across that he forgot about, you can't take on just one of us. If you come against one of us, you come against all of us. I know there's division everywhere, but thank God there is a bond in the spirit and we are brothers and sisters because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to say to the enemy, you picked on the wrong one. You have to take us all on. You can't take on just one of us. We're sitting this afternoon after lunch and right near the end of lunch, I get a call, Brian gets a call at the same time. They left a message, Brian gets a call at the same time and Denver Rake always came down, came down faithfully, he and his dear wife, never missed a year of this meeting. Worship together with us. How, how I, I was there when Denver got saved. What a change in his life. He was such a good man. But oh my, I wouldn't have thought he could have been better. But it's amazing. If you don't know him, he's just a unique man. He and his wife, precious people, faithful people, and committed to the Lord. And I, by the time I get to my phone, Brian had started to share the message and the voicemail come through. And, and I, I, I forward the voicemail on to Ron. Ron, to play for you, Ron, if you haven't heard it yet. And old Denver's crying on the other line. He's been battling cancer. And he said, Pastor, I just had to call and tell you, I just came from the doctor and he told me all clear. All clear. No cancer anywhere. You know what happened? The devil thought he took on Denver. He didn't know that he took on Rubyville Church and Tampa Church and all the other churches. I'm telling you folks, uh, the devil's made a big mistake. He thinks uh, that he comes one-on-one -on -one against us, but I don't care if you're all alone in an intensive care unit. There is still a warrior that will come around you and defend you. God's people will gather as a mighty army in prayer. They'll combat in the heavenlies for everything that you need, and they'll overcome the enemy every time. So they come up with this plan. Well, you know the account. It all backfires. Haman winds up being hanged on the very gallows that he built. I'm, you do understand this going to backfire on the devil, don't you? The very hell that he built 
Hell was prepared for the devil. And he wants to drag people into hell. If you're lost tonight, I know someone here a while back, I told the church, I read an article. Sometimes I read too much news. and I was reading an article in the news and the individual was talking about how the, the, how the fundamental churches had marred them and had created mental distress for them because they preached and taught that Jesus could come and if you're not ready to meet the Lord or if you died without the Lord and they said I was so conflicted went on and on and said now I've got emotional problems no your problem is not emotional it's spiritual see I'm not worried about dying and I'm not worried about Jesus coming because I'm bought with the blood I'm his child I don't know what I'll go through. Concerns about what we'll face is one thing, but we have no worries about what's on the other side. It's prepared for him, but he thinks he's going to drag you in, but he forgets. It's his home, it's not ours. So after that, they finally reach the place where they've won the victory. They set aside a feast. Purim comes from the word P-U-R. The word P-U-R appears three times in the book of Esther. Not in the text that I read, but just in a previous verse. You'll find out in verse 24 when it's mentioned, it tells what the meaning of the word is. The same way in chapter 3 and verse 7, I believe it is. The word means lot. See, what they did, this wasn't. This wasn't by chance. Haman had planned this all out. They started casting lots. They cast lots every day. Day after day, the Bible says. Week after week. Month after month. You know what they were casting lots for? To find the lucky day. They wanted to find the exact day, the lucky day, that they could get rid of the Jews, God's people. That's why they were so consistent. Can I tell you something? If we're not faithful, the devil will be. He comes to church when nobody else comes. Yeah. He'll show up. And if he's not there, he'll send a representative to be there. He's got spies. Yes, he does. <laughs> Take a deep breath. It's going to hurt real bad here in a minute. <laughs> if you ask me, the lucky day wasn't so lucky for him. Christian, get this right. Don't you dare ever tell anybody you're lucky. You're blessed. I don't live my life by luck. I don't have to have a four-leaf clover in my Bible. I don't have to have a rabbit's foot in my pocket. Poor old Ed Ballou, somebody one time come up and waved a rabbit's foot under his nose and said, hey, daddy, do you dig it? And he said, no, but I've shot a few. <laughs> he said, do you know what that rabbit's foot means? He says, yeah, there's a rabbit running around with three feet somewhere. 
That's exactly what it means. I don't live my life by love. I didn't have to look at the horoscope today to find out how my day is gonna go. I don't need a fortune teller to tell me what my tomorrow's gonna be. I don't need some witch to try to put some type of a blessing on me. Thank God I've read the end of the book and I know how it winds up. And if you're here tonight, you are blessed by God. If he has saved your soul and your name is written down in the book of life, you're blessed tonight beyond measure. So after they win, Haman has been hanged. I'm not gonna take the time to tell you how God reversed the curse, but it's an interesting study. So they said, hey, this is so spectacular. We've got to do this every year. See, that's my vision for you in this camp meeting. For you to leave and say, wow, that's so special. We're going to have to do this again next year. I mean, it, it should be that good. It was that good to them. Do you know how good that it was? Every time they talked about it, it started out being good, but it got better. In this same chapter, if you'll notice close in, in verse 17, they called it, at the end of it, they made it a day of feasting and gladness. Verse 18, they called it a day of feasting and gladness. In verse 19, they said, no, it's more than that. It is a day of gladness and feasting, but it's also a good day and a day for sending portions to one another. By the time you get down in verse 22, they not only call it a good day, but they said it's a day of feasting and joy and sending portions to one another and gifts to the poor. It started out as a day of feasting and fasting, became a good day, became a day where they shared portions with one another to a day that they were giving gifts to the poor. In other words, it got better as it went. You didn't hear that, did you? It got better as it went. Well, why are you looking like this is the worst day of your life? This thing gets better as we go. It doesn't get worse, it gets better. Closer we get to home, the sweeter heaven gets. And the farther the journey is behind us and the trouble behind us, and it gets sweeter as we get closer to heaven. So Mordecai, he recorded it. He made a record of it. He wrote it down. Can I, I give you some advice in love? Some things, when God does it for you or gives it to you, write it down. Write it down. Write your blessings down. Mark them down. Why? Because there'll come a time when the devil will take advantage of a sick body and a tired mind and tell you God's not good to you and God doesn't care. And then all you have to do is go back and read the letter to him. Tell him how good God's been. Can I advise every one of you that's older, back a few years ago, God touched my heart. Now some of you, you, you may not want to hear me no more after this, but back years ago, you know, I got tired of dealing with people that when they went through things, they felt like they were the only one that went through it. I mean, come on, let's be realistic about this. I'm not gonna be able to run and holler and hoop the rest of my life. I sure will have it in here, I just won't have it here. And there'll come a time where I may wind up sick. 
And I may wind up at a place that my kids can't get to me and people can't get to me. That don't mean they don't love me. Now you do what you want to, but my wife knows exactly where to go in my office. I wrote a letter to myself when I get in the nursing home. I sure did. I wrote a letter and I reminded myself that I preached in some of the greatest churches in the nation and I've heard some of the finest people sing and God had saved my soul. God had given me a good family. God had allowed me to eat some of the greatest meals. I ne- I've been places I never dreamed I gotta go. I've gotta meet people I never dreamed I'd get to meet. God's allowed me to cross paths with some of heaven's finest and God has brought the dearest friends in my life and when I get to that place I reminded myself put a smile on my face brush my teeth, comb my hair and sit up and remind myself that God is still good and heaven is at the end of all of it and it just came to pass. It's not going to stay. It just came to pass. Write it down. You will forget things. Well, you ought to write it down. Mordecai recorded it. Second of all, the Jews received it. See, it doesn't do any good to write something down to pass on to your family if they don't receive it. You can write a will and leave everything you've got to your kids, but if they don't read it and they don't receive it, it'll do them no good. That's where we're at right now. We are in churches that for the past 30 years, they they have abused the fact that they've heard good preaching, they've sat under great teaching, and they've been around some of the finest, but the problem is it got on them, but it never got in them. They wouldn't receive it, and because they won't receive, listen, I wanna go to heaven with you, but if you don't receive Jesus and receive the gospel, then there's no power in me to save you or anybody else to save you. You have to hear the gospel and obey the gospel to be saved. So they received it. And it became a time where they committed themselves to it. They not only committed themselves to it, they committed their children to it. And they committed every generation forward to it. Make a commitment right now and say, this is the way it's going to be. Devil, it is not going to change. We may come, we may go, but God's word's not going to change. The plan of salvation is not going to change. And folks, if you don't commit to that, I'm here to tell you, it can change quick. And I'm telling you, the past five years, the landscape has changed so quick, I hardly recognize it. So they said, number one, commit to it. Number two, celebrate it. Make it a celebration. Who got the idea that church is a funeral service? This is a celebration. Why? Because the enemy's already hung. He's already defeated. You say, I've got problems. Of course, we all have problems, but he's still God. He never has a bad day, never gets sick, doesn't have a cold. He's never caught COVID. Never shut the gates of heaven. Never changed his word. 
I told you I know when I'm doing good. And I tell you where the area has come about. We forget that we have some things to celebrate. Now, I don't want to go into overtime. I'm going to give you two or three things real quick because not all Jews celebrate Purim the same way. But let me tell you maybe two or three things that they do regularly. Number one, we'll, they make it a, it's essential. This is one of the few feasts that is essential for kids to participate in. They included the children. Kids, we need you. <laughs> we still got it in here, but sometimes we need some strength. <laughs> Boy, that didn't go over well. Let me move on. And they, they include the kids in it. They get them involved in it. Want them to be a part of it. Because they know if it's going to go on, they've got to know what they're doing and what it's all about. So they, they, they thought, we've got to teach them. This is, this is all about why they're so excited their people would have been extinct had God not delivered them. It's all about deliverance. Anybody here know what God brought you from? Anybody remember what God brought you out of? Anybody know what God's delivered us from in the future? Every one of us was deserving of an eternity separated from God, an eternal punishment, but Jesus in his goodness and grace and mercy came to this earth. God manifest in the flesh, died on a cross, took a terrible beating for you and I, rose from the grave that we might be saved and in his mercy he had a head on collision with us by the power of the Holy Ghost and brought conviction and convinced us to turn to Christ and changed our life forever so they said we want to remind the devil the enemy you haven't won so the first thing they did they took two rocks and they wrote the name of Haman on the rock. <laughs> and they would hit the rock. They'd beat the rock. Every time they'd hear anything about the enemy, if the name of Haman was mentioned, they hit the rock. They just kept hitting the rock. And you know, you know what, they, what their ultimate goal was? To keep beating the rock until the name couldn't be seen on the rock anymore. All you can see is the rock. Do you know that every time you come to church and you start praising God for what he's done, you're hitting the rock. Every time you come to the altar and bring your problems to God, you're hitting the rock. That rock is Christ that followed them. Mine over time. Can, can I give you something else? The other thing that they would do with the name, they would write the name Haman on the sole of their shoes. And they would stomp their feet. Every time that one of the religious leaders would say something about Haman or something that Haman did or that the enemy tried to do, they'd stomp their feet. In other words, Haman was underfoot. Yeah. Haman was underfoot. 
Oh, Romans teaches us well, but the God of peace shall surely put Satan under your feet shortly. <laughs> Remember where the devil's at. Jesus said he would rule until he put all enemies underfoot. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is the enemy of death. The devil's not winning one thing. You just stop him. Oh, Lord, help me. Been good preaching at Tampa. I've only preached this one other time and I lost five members. We had 450 people, almost 500 people at the altar shouting at the same time. Boy, that'll separate them out. They pass out groggers to the children. What's a, what's a grogger? Anyone here know what a grogger is? Oh, good. We'll learn something tonight. Just happen to have one. You do want to see it, don't you? Act like it. This is a grogger. Usually, they're plastic and they're small. But this would be similar to what juice. I have seen groggers as long as from me to the pulpit, this part. And what you do with the grower here? Have you heard that? You know what I'm talking about now? Do you know what we call these? Noise makers. Is that right? So every time they'd say, and Haman built the gallows. And if they didn't have a grower, they'd give them clappers. Yeah, in other words, uh, if you didn't have a voice and if you didn't have a grogger and do you know what they told him? If you make enough noise, uh, the enemy will be defeated. We back lost our shout. I'm looking for some noise makers tonight. I'm looking for somebody. Oh, glory, glory. I'm looking for somebody that'll say devil. Devil. You don't know Jesus. We've got another name. And Satan! You're catching on, kids. You're catching You say, I don't like that. The devil don't like it either. You don't know how much fun it is to get in the spirit of God and let God come down and preach us. The next time you go back, you've got to go back and look to see what you preach because you're not sure you know what you preached. I'm going to make you really upset now. I don't want to hear a preacher that don't know how to worship. Now, they don't have to be loud like me. If you've got doctrine with no demonstration, you've got frustration. 
if you've got demonstration and no doctrine, you've got confusion. But if you put doctrine together with demonstration, you've got transformation. Some of you, it's been so long and the devil The devil! He's telling you it's over, it's done. Oh, if you just say, I can't hear you. Thank you, Jesus. You're still on. You're still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm telling you, we need some noise maker in the church. They had a glass of water. I saw one of the leaders go up and pick it up and smelled it. While they putting in that man's water, I've never seen anybody care you just did. Hey, by the way, I've seen this place so lit up with the power of God. You can't blame this man. No. I sat right there this week and I watched him raise his hands to the Lord. And I watched him more. You can't blame him. Oh, glory. Oh, I wish somebody shouted out. God knows my heart. A lot of you loaded up, left Tampa, Florida 17 years ago, came to Ohio in a snowstorm, and we had a service for dad. And, and someone, they, they actually started writing me, calling me after, said, I don't understand. You were up shouting, well, why shouldn't I shout? He got what he was looking for my whole life. And things I didn't understand when it happened, God just kept pouring on the honey. Because he said things that night, Ron, that I didn't catch it when he said it, but I caught it later on. He stood right here in his pulpit, took his glasses off, and looked around and said, I see farther tonight than I've ever seen in all of my life. 
There's some of you, you can look beyond this veil of sorrow and tears and in the hour of your weakness, you can say the devil. to find two or three you young guys take off running for me right now it'd be fine with me praise God I'm telling you we've got so much to make noise about did he save you has he met your needs has he blessed you has he given you a great camp meeting to come to? Let's just do it every year. <laughs> Let's just do it every year. If God calls me on before that, just come on down and do it again next year. Some of you are real nervous right now. You stood longer than you have in 10 years. I know physically some people, they can't, they can't. I understand that. But I remind the devil, Bruce and Jamie's devil. Where you at, Jamie and Bruce over here? Yes, they're great. They're, and they'll tell you when they talked about coming this way, I said, you need to go down to Tampa Church. You need to go down. And I'm going to warn you all, don't let her scare you. <laughs> Jamie, you are what you are. And don't you ever change. And don't you ever let anybody put you in a box and tell you you don't have a right to do what you do. When we met, we met every month at Children's Hospital and every other month later, their daughter was sick, my son was sick. I had a million, about a million and a half dollar bill that I had to pay that hospital that I didn't have a dime. Their daughter was so sick. I can remember us meeting up. We set our appointments at the same time. They didn't go to my church. No, we knew one another, Jamie and I from Revival and Bruce from Revivals that I preached. I had no idea a few years later God would give her daughter healing and God would give her healing and God would heal others in her family and she made the promise I'll tell everyone about the Lord everywhere that I go. Last year, how many were saved, Jamie? 600. Devil! Listen up, devil! You say I'm not emotional, you liar, you lying dog, you lying dog. Nobody else got enough sense to tell you, I'll tell you. Hey, I see, I'm not emotional. I go out to these ball games and I watch their grandkid shoot a two pointer. Oh, glory, glory. Make the wrong call. We got there. They say, don't they go to your church? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Them. I don't know who they are. Your kid comes to church and gets saved, and you got to. Meet 10 people after and say, I'm not really sure if they got it or not. What's the matter with you? Don't worry. It only hurts for a minute. 
you can go back to sleep in five minutes. I am in overtime now. God knows my heart. and Those from the church, they'll verify it. I don't preach as long as what I used to. I can't. But I'm feeling my Wheaties tonight. Take me to the yummy house every time I gotta preach. I don't know if it's the strawberry milkshake. I don't know if it's what kind of chicken was that? Honey walnut. Honey walnut chicken? What other kind of chicken? Chicken, 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 chicken. That's all we ate. It's a chicken told on Peter and we're eating up the evidence. That's all we did, just keep eating chicken. I don't know if it's that, but I've got a funny feeling. It hit me over in the room a while ago. <laughs> that I thought tonight would be a good night for some folks to get rid of some baggage and take those cares to the Lord. And I know your problems may look the same to you tomorrow, but you'll be the one that'll be different facing those problems as God gives you grace and gives you strength. Mordecai recorded it. The Jews received it. Will you receive it? Will you receive it? Pastor, when you go home, you say, preacher, my church won't say anything. They won't do anything. What's that got to do with it? I promise you, I would have acted the same tonight if nobody would have grunted. I promise you. I got in a meeting one time and it was very formal. Why they had me, I will never know. Mystery of the ages. And the preacher pointed out there was one pulpit there that you buried, go there to conduct the services for burial, funeral services. I preached about 10 minutes all by myself, got a little lonely. Finally, I looked at the preacher and said, you lying dog, you put me in the wrong pulpit, I should be up there. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. I saw a cemetery church cemetery through the window. I said, if y'all don't mind, I'd rather take my chances trying to raise the dead out there. I think it'd be easier. You say, well, I never, you just did. You're not more spiritual because you make noise, but the devil is weaker because you make noise. You drown him out. Do you know what's wrong with America right now? The devil's got too much of a voice. The church is not speaking out. The church has lost its voice and its influence. And do you know why? Because we're too busy trying to act like the world. We're trying to fit into the world. We forgot this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up yonder, somewhere beyond the blue. We forgot where we're going. I'm not part of this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Has God been good to you? I'll close with this. I, I, Sunday morning we had communion. I, 
preached on communion. I said, I'm going to deal with an aspect of communion I've never dealt with in my ministry, and I'm not going to re-preach the sermon. But I told them on Wednesday night, if you know people that are sick, that need healed, come to church Sunday. See, we think we can only do things one or two ways. Let me remind you, God does it how he wants. And he can do it without me and without you. But we can't do it without him. After the service, there were some friends came by, people that we hadn't seen. One lady introduced herself. She said, I drove two and a half hours today to be here. And I could tell she was very sick, very sick, very sick. She said, my family brought me. Said, when I heard you say that Wednesday night, something struck me down in the depths of my heart that I hadn't experienced in years. And I told my family, I've got to get to church Sunday. I've got to be there Sunday. I've got to be there Sunday. She said, I come to this place believing God to heal me. Boy, it got quiet there. You do believe he can heal, don't you? You say, I, I, we're all going to die of something. I know that. But I'd hate to miss a healing that he had until he calls me home. I'm going to ask him for it and believe him for it. Praise him. You got a right to. You got a right to. Well, glory to God.